fucked over the line twice. Fucked over the line like you catch a fucking loaf of bread. Fucked you over the line with his shoulder. But for my part, uh, what concerned me was um, the way his, his, I suppose his good name was attacked. The game is called football for a very simple reason that you're predominantly supposed to use the foot. Welcome along to the Smaller Fish Football Show. It's our very last show in association with Benetti Menswear. You can go um, to benetti.ie to see featured stock lists. So to, not tomorrow, Tuesday, we're going on Patreon. Um, there's a lot of people asking me, why the hell is the show not on Patreon already? Um, it's not that I'm lazy. I haven't published it yet because I'm sure there's some way of doing it where you won't get charged immediately, but I don't know how to do that. So the safest thing to do rather than have you, um, you know, sign up January the 31st, get charged and get charged again immediately on uh, February the 1st because that's how it works. You get charged when you join and then the first of every month after that. So keep your eye out on Tuesday and we'll get that link up there. Now, so as we know on this show, we're not ones for knee-jerk reactions, especially you, Keen. You're always a bit more level-headed. I'm more excitable. You're a bit more level-headed as well, Conan, um, kind of in between the two of us. But Dublin are gone, Keen. Dublin are finished. It's official. They're gone. They're gone. Now, unfortunately, I can't jump in and say me, me, they're back because uh, we had a terrible result today, uh, which I'm sure you'll come to at some point. Um, I'm getting it out of the way early so you don't ask me any questions about it. Um, yeah, look, the Dubs will obviously be quite disappointed um, with their first night out, but it is the first night out. So, um, but, OK, but now it is, it is, it, it's the first night out, right? So we're not judging it solely on this performance, which was all over the place and we we'll get into it. We're judging it, Keen, on last year and this performance. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, it's not just this performance, is it? No, no, it certainly isn't. They, they, there's no doubt about it. Their level has dropped. It's dropped quite significantly. I mean, I don't think that's, you know, that is certainly not an e-jerk reaction. That's obvious for us all to see. Um, all of the sort of mistakes that they were making the other night, these balls being dropped into the goalkeeper's hands and things like that, they just didn't really happen in the Jim Gavin era, or certainly they were so rare that you can you can hardly remember them. Um, they're, like their shooting the other night was dire, really. I mean, I think they had something like 13 or 14 wides, and they had an, an, another few that were in short into the keeper's hands. Like, that is very, very un-Dublin-like. Um, it, it's almost like the opposite. Like, Armagh were the kind of, well, they weren't entirely controlled in, in a Dublin-like manner, but they were certainly more efficient, and they, they showed a... A level of maturity that I'm sure they'll be delighted with themselves in their performance, but certainly from a Dublin point of view, with the players they've lost, with with some of that maybe um, kind of self-inflicted as well, you might think um, it it doesn't really look overly good for them. But maybe maybe the standard of every other team isn't going to be so far above them that they're you know that they're out of contention. But it's not a good start for them, and it is sort of reflective of where they've been the last couple of seasons and I know that you know the the Jim Gavin era was going to be extremely hard to follow but like the standards there's no doubt about it that their level has you know kind of slowly dropped from those incredible highs and I suppose it's brought them back to the pack a little bit more and you know a lot of other teams have probably improved as well and hopefully Armagh are one of those teams that maybe you know kind of keep keep improving and, and put themselves into the into the conversation as well and, and yeah. playing in division one for them which is something that they've been like striving for for a number of years to get up the divisions and get there. I mean, that's going to bring them on a huge amount, just even confidence-wise, um, to, to be playing the dubs and to put in the performance that they did. 
Sticking with Dublin here, Conan, like, I mean, Keane's touched on it, giving the ball away, all the wides, fenting into the goalie's hands. Cameron McCormick came on diving for a free, just all on Dublin like. It didn't happen under Jim Gavin. What really surprises me, um, Conan, is they're absolutely clueless in how to break down a team that has bodies back. When this is like they almost they invented the way to break this down. They used to be patient and they'd wait for a really incisive run and that would open everything up, you know, and another pass and suddenly they're through. They made it look easy. Now they don't know how to bloody do it. Like, if we're talking about uh, knee-jerk reactions, you know, if we're just going to go there and just start <laughs> having knee-jerk reactions, like, are they going through a wee bit of a, an identity crisis at the minute? Because they, they seem to be caught between two stools and so many levels. Like, what, what you're saying there, they, they don't seem to know how to break these teams down anymore. Like, there's, there's so many things that are undoubled. Like, you know, when they can see it at the goal and the first play afterwards, somebody just ballooned the ball into the corner. I think it was Tom Lehiff. And even if Ryan Baskell had a won it, it was a terrible pass to play. You know, all the stuff that showed you were panicking. You mentioned, like, you're mentioning some of the, the shots there of Brian Fenton. Brian Fenton had a left-footed shot that was way off the boil. There was one that John Small, like, John Small got a foul, right? Remember he got tackled around the neck? Yeah. He had two options, right and left. And any other year, John Small just throws that to the right or left before the player gets anywhere near him and then runs off for the, for the overlap. I don't know what the... Are they trying to introduce someone else? Because like, people were noting earlier on when they got a couple of cracker scores that, oh, you know, the shackles are off, Dublin are allowed to shoot from further out. And great, like, you know, we would love to see a bit more individualism sometimes, but they just seem to be caught up and not knowing what exactly they are at the minute. And it's feeding through the whole thing. Like, And, and we're saying it's the first night out. It is the first night out, but it's the first night of three games, three home games that they have at Crew Park. And yeah. it's the first night of a very, a very much shorter season. Like we know that as well. And they haven't been going since August. I thought they'd be coming in here with a bit more bite and a bit more, I don't know, a bit more purpose of who they are and knowing who they are. Yeah, like that's it. Like, I mean, for the Armagh goal, we'll talk about that in a little while. But like Howard just gave it straight to Rory Grugan, just hand passed it to him. Like, I mean, yeah. beyond belief, what, how this could even happen. And you know what's killing them, Keen, is that they're going short on every single kick out. Every kickout's going short. Now, like we spoke about this, I spoke about this in the show last year. This was fine when teams were dropping off them and the cornerback was there, you know, and Cluxton would just take that handy option. Cluxton went away from being the best, the best uh, man to kick out a ball to being just tapping it to the cornerback. But when you're tapping it to the cornerback every single time, you can be sure you're facing the 12 bodies inside the 45 because it's just natural. As you come up the field, D- Dublin are kicking it enough. Not only are they facing this on every attack, where Armagh are moving it much faster up the field and they're getting a one-on-one, Dublin are facing that stalemate nearly all the time. And they don't know how to get, <laughs> they don't know how to get past it. And like Conan's saying, like, you know, there maybe looked like a bit more urgency about them to get a shot off. But at the same time, they were all going wide and they were just making some weird mistakes. So, like, I do think they are in an identity crisis. And I think I think it's all stemming from Comerford being completely conservative. They have Brian Fenton in midfield. Holy mother of God. Like, this is, this is criminal stuff in that every other team in the country is trying to keep it away from this man. So what would you think Dublin would do? Give it to the man. Keep it away from him as well. <laughs> Yeah, well, look, when when you look back at when Dublin were probably at their peak, I mean, they did have the likes of 
and I know that that was across a number of years and there was there was loads of different players in the mix, but they were brilliant at Cluxton was really, really good at hitting these longer kickouts out to the wings where you had yeah. maybe a Paul Flynn or Connolly or these kind of good ball winners. And even in recent years, Conor Callaghan was maybe coming deep for some of them because he's obviously very good aerially. Um, now, either they don't have that same calibre of personnel to, to field high ball. I think that's probably partly... Um, partly one of the reasons for it but also a team over time just probably gradually becomes more and more conservative um i think just the, the stakes are so high for them every year because they're not this kind of innocent team going up to play the games it's all about the result and what happens then is they start to maybe overanalyze all of the any errors that are made and they it, it becomes all about just eliminating chance and making no mistakes and what that does then is it forces them into this kind of no risk football. And you're you're totally right. Like it's it's counterintuitive. Like yeah, you keep the ball by tapping it to the corner back, but you're you're obviously if you tap it to your corner back, you're going to be facing all fourteen outfield players from the opposition, and they can do what they want. Like if 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 they don't press up on you, they're giving you the kick out. Loads of loads of teams give the opposition the kick out to their corner back because they see it as a risk mitigation factor where they're kind of going, well, we'll just, we'll defend from the halfway line back. You have the ball in the corner back position and we think that's the best way for us to defend and not let you open us up. A lot, like some teams do that. Other teams say, well, this is a chance here um, on a kick out. We're going to press right up on them and put them under severe pressure. And what Dublin seem to be doing is they're not even looking for the ones that are, you know, beyond the half back line. I mean, it's all very, very short. Now, is that is that down to Comerford? Possibly. I, it has to be a collective thing, though, because if he's not getting the... There's there's two things here. If he's not getting the options, then he has to have a kind of a, a fallback plan. And to me, if I was looking at it, if I was in goals for Dublin, I'd be telling them, lads, I am not tapping it to the cornerback unless we're winning by eight or ten points and the opposition are dead or there's just something so obvious yeah. here that we've loads of time and space. Um, but it's not going to be our tactic for the game. I want to get the ball out to at least outside our 45 or there, thereabouts. Um, and if that's a, a half forward, whatever. And lads, if I don't have any options, I want to get Brian Fenton. You get over to one wing and the other midfielder go with you. You'll know, you'll know, I'm, you know, you know, I'm going to hit it because it's going to be delayed kick out. And I am bombing the ball on the top of you two lads. And it's up to you to win it then. Don't be yeah. looking at me. You didn't give me a good enough option for me to hit. So now it's out on top of you. And sure. Like that, surely most of the time against most teams, that's advantage Dublin anyway. If you're kicking the ball out to Fenton and his direct opponent, you yeah. would think. It, it, well, it absolutely is. Like I mean, and like this, this is the thing. Maybe back when you know they were all a little bit younger, and James McCarthy, Jack McCaffrey were in flying. It maybe going short was okay then, and they seemed to be able to wear teams down, and they never. But uh, goalkeepers moved on. Dublin, I think Dublin have been left behind tactically a little bit. Conan Niall Morgan's the best goalkeeper now. Rory Began, what's a feature of their kickouts? Aggression taking chances I think Dublin are stuck in in tactics you know from maybe two or three years ago they're not innovators from a goalkeeping perspective anymore they were they're not now Cluxton's gone he 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 raised the bar now it's been taken on and Dublin are back doing what Cluxton was doing four years ago yeah and can you imagine the amount of work Edwin Comerford has done over the last few years on kickouts you know accurate kickouts under pressure long kickouts finding men in these pockets that Cluxton had been doing like the reason Cluxton is the most highly rated goalkeeper of all time is because his kickouts were brave, they were dangerous, and they always found a man. And they gave Dublin a way better advantage than it was than yeah, every time they gave it to Johnny Cooper. Towards the end, he didn't, though. You know, a feature of Cluxton's was always tapping it to the cornerback because he was given. 
Yeah, and that's what like yeah, that's what I, um, I brought on the Johnny Cooper thing there as well. Like you know, and that, and that seems to be a habit that they've carried in. And just to go back to like last year, because yeah, this this is longer than obviously just what happened on Saturday night. I remember watching them stuttering along in Leinster, and the eyebrows were being raised then. And I remember thinking, this is fine from a Dublin point of view because they're making these unforced errors that they're not being forced into. Like you know, it wasn't like a team was exposing them in any way. They were just making stupid uncharacteristic errors that you assumed they would get out of their game but they're but they're not getting it out of their game like these big players you've mentioned them they're they're still doing these things dean rock had a free kick i mean fair enough it's dean rock but he hasn't played he's been injured he wasn't expected to come on that early it was a free kick beyond the 45 out on the sideline and there's two dublin players within the 13 meter line nobody attacks it when it drops 10 meters short it's it's just little basic stuff if a division three or four team were doing you would think that's so simple and needs to be changed immediately but when you add that happening from a team point of view and the experienced players having those unforced errors with the like of Comerford and then all these new boys that are coming in then like you know that are that are taking rash shots or running into trouble it's yeah it, it is like we're, we're fully in the knee-jerk talk now like but it, it doesn't bode well going forward yeah they're like i mean you know they look human now they look like a team yeah. you know and and you know like you hear loads of stuff coming out of it and everything you hear out of it is not good it's not good and it's from players that you know and you don't know whether to believe it or not but when you hear you know from three or four different kind of players I hear he's not happy. I hear nobody seems to be happy in there. Like I haven't heard one story about that he really believes in the new management. They seem to be getting it all seems to be that and they're playing like te- like players that don't believe in Desi Farrell. Let's be honest about it. They've abandoned their excellent zonal press. They did it, they abandoned that last year. Like, I mean, it makes no sense because it was really difficult for teams to to get it, get out past this press. Now, I know the press is susceptible to overloading one side, but I don't remember any team really exposing that on an overload, you know, too much. Armagh were able to do this old-fashioned bunch and break, uh, <laughs> uh, Keen, And, like, you know, it, it took Eamon Fitzmaurice, we'll get to him in, in the weekend awards in part two, it took Kieran Kilkenny to start organising. Let's stand on the outside of these lads and, and let's stop letting them break outside into space. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, it was. There was there was some of the stuff was just um I suppose disjointed is probably the best description for Dublin. And it's again, look at the players that they had on the field. They probably were um I suppose missing that bit of leadership. Like they they probably like they've enough guys there that have played intercounty football for long enough to be you know, at maybe a slightly better standard than what we would have saw the other night in terms of those skill errors and basic kind of mistakes. But there, there's maybe a lack of leadership. Like, and that that can be something massive. Like, Kieran Kilkenny, like, I mean, Fitzmaurice mentioned in the commentary that he was he was coming back out and sort of orchestrating um, the setup on the opposition's kickouts. Um, that's fine. Like, that happens on the field where yeah. players spot stuff and they just make decisions as they start orchestrating. Now, if you have four or five quite experienced guys on the pitch, it doesn't take a lot to get that organised. But if you're trying to organise something and a lad who's kind of trying to make his break into the team, he's just kind of going, well, I have my, I'm just fucking sticking tight to my man here because I'm just not going to, I'm just doing my best to not let him get the ball. And then he gets blocked off and his man gets it anyway. You know, whereas Kilkenny is like, lads, just let's go zonal here. Let's make this go to a contest. If the ball is in the air and it's traveling, we have an opportunity to get there. Like if the ball is in the air for five seconds, guys are going to get, if they sprint higher, they're going to get like 20, 30, 40 meters. You know, some of these guys will cover that ground very, very quick. And if you have two or two and three guys 
aggressively moving to where that ball is dropping, they're going to be able to fucking cause some damage when they get there in terms of aggressive tackling. Whereas if you're at this sort of bunch of break and it's just able to be tapped, you know, this like one hot ball into a guy's chest. Yeah. It's very hard that they're in control of it. Then it's difficult to kind of get get the turnovers at that point. So, yeah, look, it's let's see how they perform next week. I mean, that's probably the you, I'd like to see in a new season. I'd like to see a little bit. Um, I'd like to see a few more games. But look, I totally would be in agreement with with the fact that Dublin Dublin are not the team that they were. Like that's beyond it. Yeah. Like I to me that is very very clear, and it's been clear for a long time. It's very, very clear. Desi Farrell will finish up on Dublin here because we want to get on to how good Armagh were. Um, Desi Farrell said after the game, at the end of the day, we just need to focus on ourselves as a group. There's definitely a significant amount of transition going on. A lot of our core players have left the squad over the last two or three years. We're trying to replace that quality. You can't replace experience, obviously. And I'm thinking, like, what players did he lose? Paddy Andrews? Sub. Jim Gavin was phasing him out. Kevin McManaman? Same. Keno Sullivan? Jim Gavin phased him out. Bernard Brogan, Jim Gavin phased him out. Philly McMahon, sub. You know, like, I mean, these were all subs under Jim Gavin and subs under Desi. So, like, I mean, these aren't the big losses that he's trying to paint them at. They were on the way out. Now, you know, off the bench, grand, but these lads are well into their 30s. Like, if you look at the Dublin Kerry 2019 replay, absolutely brilliant, brilliant uh, game, the first game and the second game. Stephen Cluxton gone. Merchant is there. Davy Burns there. Fitzsimons is there. Cooper's there. John Small's there. Jack McCaffrey's gone. James McCarthy's there. Brian Fenton's there. Niall Scully's there. Kieran Kilkenny's there. Brian Howard's there. Paul Mannion's gone. Con is there. Dean Rock is there. Only Stephen Cluxton, um, Jack McCaffrey, Paul Mannion are gone. Paul Mannion's Desi's own fault because he didn't pick him. One of the craziest things I've ever seen from a new manager to not pick the best number 13, you know, up with David Clifford in the country. Stephen Cluxton's his own fault because he broke the, the COVID rule and Cluxton got all pissed off, apparently. So the only one really that he's missing that he can, you know, be kind of feel a bit hard done by is Jack McCaffrey, Conan. Like, you know, I, I do accept the transition and the subs coming up. There's still a team there that should be winning all Ireland's that had dominated Kerry in that replay after coming back from the dead in the in the drawing game. Like, and that goes back to the first point that Keane made. Like the, Dublin are still at a standard where they can still they can still compete for an all Ireland. Like they still probably have a bunch of the best players in Ireland and they're not competing against a 2019 Dublin. Like they don't have to compete with that. Like they can just compete with Tyrone and Mayo and still win an all Ireland and they still should be favourites for an all Ireland. Now obviously they will get better because you're right to me. It's like all oh, those players are still there. So it's not great that, that Desi Farrell is, is talking so much. Like he mentioned players leaving and players coming back and players being injured and transition a lot in that post match interview. And I never yeah. liked that. You know, it's like the season's here, Desi. Like let's let's get going. People want results. People They're want excuses. Results. They're excuses. No, exactly. And like that's you know, if you're talking about like professional soccer, like that's what everyone like as soon as you hear the word transition, people think, oh, He's looking to buy himself time there, and you don't get that, especially in the championship season, especially when you're the Dublin manager and you still have the best team. Like things will get better when they bring back immediately when James McCarthy and Conor Callahan come in because they're two of, probably two of the best in Ireland at the minute. But there's still a lot of problems there, and like it, it is worrying that he's reaching for those words. And like you mentioned, Kieran Kilkenny, I don't want to drag us back into that, but there was some confusion around his role as well in the second half. He just seemed to disappear around the halfback line and just 
just was so far deep in the game. And it was like, he needs to get the most out of these players first and then worry about this transition that he's talking about. Yeah, no, I agree. Conor Callaghan and James McCarthy aren't coming off unbelievable years last year either, Look, and Johnny Cooper isn't either. You know, you ha- they have new lads like Ryan Baskell, Aaron Byrne, Ross McGarry, Tom Lahiff, not at, within a million miles of the quality that's needed uh, for Dublin. So there's definitely a problem with their five subs. They always had the best of that. But there's no problem with their first 15. And those excuses should be gone. You know, like, I mean, they're, and, and the way they're playing, there's no excuses for that. You know, and they're making mistakes and the kickouts and the zonal press and all the little problems that are adding up and the wides and giving it away. That's not down to the Paddy Andrews, the, the, the you know, the, the Kevin McManamans, the Keno Sullivan's, the Bernard Brogan's. That's nonsense. That's nonsense because they weren't really there in 2019 anyways for the five in a row team. You know, so anyways, we'll move on to Armagh because they were excellent. Uh, Keen, I thought they were showing Dublin too much respect at the start of the game. They were more defensive than we've been used to from Armagh. Um, and I suppose in their last game, they shipped four goals and a half. And, you know, they conceded 4-17. And now they're going up to play Dublin in Croke Park. And I'd say they thought, here, Jesus, we don't want to get a trimming. They were dropping, you know, everybody bar Reen O'Neill really back for a lot of that first half. And I think they showed Dublin too much respect because Dublin are there to be beaten. And when they actually came out and went, here, let's kick in a few balls to Rian, they, they tore them apart. Yeah, look, I, I know what you're saying, but I suppose on the back of conceding 4-17 in a game, yeah. the next match, everybody is going to be um, that little bit more tuned in to going, right, well, we're not going to get embarrassed here. We're up playing up. So there would have been an element of sort of a little bit of fear in it. the game. Yeah, stay in the game. Let's let's just work our way into the game. And I look, I think that's I respect that. I think that's valuable. Like I'd have no problem with a team um going into a match and kind of going, okay, let's let's see what these guys are like first. Let's not show them to, you know, let's not expose ourselves here by letting them bloody win the throw up at the start of the game and run through and piss a goal into the net and you're going, for fuck's sake, lads, like what was the point of the last prep week's preparation if that's what we're going to do? So I can totally understand why they would um, sort of try and get a feel for the game. And also, they wanted to show something, I think. You know, they wanted to show that physicality. So there was loads of their players were just mad to get tackles in in Dublin, lads. And they were trying their best to tear into them. And, you know, lads were leaving their own men to go and just swarm tackle as best they could. And, like, Rory Grugan kind of epitomised that for me. Like, there was lo- like there was a few occasions where he was chasing hard right back into his own full back line. And then he was linking He was everywhere. He, yeah, yeah. He, was, he was magnificent. But he, like, he kind of epitomised that really in, just, in terms of just do whatever you think needs to be done in terms of just work all over the field. And then, you know, when we get the ball back, we'll... We'll play what's on at that point in time, but we're not going to be too much worried about, oh, we need to have four up front or we need to do this and I'm going to hold my position. No, let's just absorb ourselves and work here, tackle like mad, do whatever we can, stay in the game, don't leave any gaps and then see where we are after maybe 20 minutes, see where we are at half time. You know, that kind of approach to the game. And I suppose when when the team is going up to test themselves against Dublin in that sort of, you know, completely new challenge for our man, I can completely understand why why they would do that. I would I would understand why any any team would kind of do that anyway. Just going into any match because every match, you know, the score is nil nil at the start of it, and you have to earn the right to to win the game. So, you know, I'd have no problem with that. I totally understood why they did it. And to be fair, if you concede four seventeen, you know, you do have to kind of look at yourselves and say, well, that's too much to be conceding in a game of football. Like, 
Yeah, no, there's no doubt. They went on then to outscore Dublin 272 points for the second quarter. Like, we don't call them second quarters anymore. The second half of the first half, Connor, because there's no <laughs> quarters. Um, so we're not allowed to say it. But like, I mean, you know, I saw Kieran Donaghy getting it. Some people giving Kieran Donaghy credit for these diagonal balls and the could. That's nonsense. Armagh are doing that for the last four or five years. This is why I like Armagh. Why I've always believed in Armagh and I, I always root for Armagh. They're a great kicking team. So I don't think that's Kieran Donaghy's. Um, influence at all like I mean it's not he's only there since last year and they didn't start doing this last year but they play a lovely brand of football their goal was absolutely a thing of beauty obviously Howard gave it away to Grugan one kick pass and this is what I want to talk about so like Armagh did play conservatively Rion O'Neill was you know left up uh, pretty much on his own now a lot of teams will play the two up there and this is the pet peeve I have Conan they leave the two up there a full gap the whole way back down maybe they're 45 so when mm-hmm. they win the ball you can't kick it up to them there's two it's too far up and there could be a covering man right so where did where was Nugent he was a, a little bit uh, past midfield and Rian O'Neill was in on his own now if Nugent was playing up there in the two man full forward line when Grugan got it there's nothing on for Armagh he's going to have to side pass it sideways and across and you know work it up the field because there's no kick pass he he bridged that gap to Rian O'Neill and he took the pass off Grugan and gave one of the most beautiful passes you'll ever see to Reno O'Neill and goal. Yeah. Like, why can't, if, okay, say you want to leave two men inside in your full forward line and you want to defend with everyone else, why would you not stagger the two of them and play one in there and the other on the 45 to give yourself the kick pass option? I'm tired <laughs> saying this. Yeah. yeah, you're not fooling anybody by saying you're more attacking because you have two further inside. Like you're, No, like- you still have the same numbers back. Yeah, and you're less attacking because yeah, you've less uh, chance of getting the ball actually. But like, and that was the personification of how you played because like a lot of the time, yeah, Grugan was back helping out, but he was finding himself sort of at the edge of the D when they did turn it over, and then he was turning, charging out of it a lot of the time. Dublin gave him a lot of space to charge out of it sometimes, but or he looked up and picked a pass, and that was the, That was that. That was the one, two, three line the whole way up the pitch. And that's all they needed because it was three good players as well who could kick the ball, one man to catch the ball, one man to deliver the ball. And you don't need anybody else inside when you've got Rian O'Neill in there as well. Like he's going to win the ball. And that was just a, a tasty finish. I'd say uh, Keane was, was proud of it himself. But to say that, you know, they're bringing the diagonal ball. Kieran Dunn, he's bringing the diagonal ball. I say Ronan Clark and Stephen McDonald are <laughs> hitting fellers at that. Like, and Kieran McKeever was the man delivering all those balls back in the day as well. Yeah. Kieran no, McGinney, sorry. Yeah, and, and McKeever. McKeever did definitely uh, deliver a couple as well. McKeever's over the defence and, and Geezer, you know, complimented him um, after the game. But that's it, Keen though. Like, I mean, if this doesn't spell it out more, that if Nugent was in beside Rian O'Neill, that goal doesn't happen. And you might say, oh, geez, they're more attacking because they're leaving two up. They're not. They're leaving one and one. Is that more attacking? I think it is because you can feckin' kick past the ball and get it up there. You know, like, I mean, I think people are finally trying to starting to understand, you know, the, you know the, how to play the game and how to get that ball up that field fast to get your inside forwards a one on one chance. They're going to thank you for it. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, like, as a, as a player in the full forward line, what you want is the opportunity to get the ball delivered in early when there's space to play in, when there's space to move left and right uh, or out in front. And look, look, what makes it even better again is when, when you can get the ball up to a certain point that the kick pass, you know, you have the option over the top as well because, like, the defender's gone at that stage. If you can get the ball in all four directions, defenders finished so what you're trying to do obviously is create as many opportunities like that in a game and um, close to goal 
And particularly if you have a guy like Rian O'Neill, like he stands in a kind of a yard or two behind his man, you can just hang that ball up there for him. And yeah. he's going to come through the full back, win it clean, and or tap to a runner, whatever it is, and get scored. Like it's so, so dangerous. And no defender wants to be in that position where they're kind of going, Jesus, Rian O'Neill's on my right shoulder here, and this ball is coming in, and I have no cover. Um, but you can't create that opportunity unless you have the link as, you're, as you've touched on. So, I mean, look, it, I think it's a worthwhile tactic to, to hold up a, a couple of a couple of forwards if you can, obviously, because you need to have that uh, kind of link. But you're totally right. I mean, it's all about the distances between the lines. Yeah, that's the same in every in all of these sports in terms of trying to tr- transition the ball quickly. And transition is a real buzzword, but like that people throw out there, you know, oh, we need to transition quicker or we need to transition better. But like, what are you actually talking about? Like when you break it down, you're either moving the, the ball quickly through the hands with like serious pace in in terms of runners from deep but the ball moves quicker than any man if it's kicked like how many times we've all been on the field you know with a coach and he says right you know he has a ball to try and demonstrate the point and he's kind of saying right lads start running and he just lamps this ball over (laughs) over everyone's head and he's like right lads the ball moves quicker than any player have i made is that clear for everyone have you all seen the visual aids there and like nugent did brilliantly because He's create like they've spotted that it's kind of like we want to have Reno Neal closest in the goal. We don't want him making those kind of those real hard runs out to the wings and and to give us that first receiver option is what I'd call it, um, because we want him in there. So someone else has to do that work, and that, it's the unglamorous role in the kind of full forward line where you're doing a lot of work and you might get a score or two, but it's always coming nearly late onto the move because you probably receive it. You're either trying to then deliver it in or you're playing it to runners coming off you. So the, the two things that are crucial in it, though, the first of them actually I think is the most important one, and that's Grugan who's on the ball. Grugan's first instinct is always to look up to try and kick. So he gets the ball in the defence, even though he's in his own half-back line. He could even be in his full-back line at times. He's looking to kind of... He's looking forward initially, and he's looking to kick past the ball. If you can, you know, kick past the ball 40 metres from your from your half-back line, you know, kind of very quickly over the top, you're absolutely, you're taking loads of opposition players out of the game. And even if that's to a half-back runner and not necessarily a receiver up the field, he's still running into open ground. Like, he's he's still dragging your team up the field and dragging you up there very quickly. Now, sometimes if a team that you're playing against is, is cute enough. They, they have a lot of these angles covered and they don't, they don't leave themselves exposed to the counter-attack, but you're giving yourself the best prospect by moving it really, really quickly from the defence. And the, the man who gets the ball in his hand, he ha- if he doesn't have the, the kind of mentality or the skill set or the vision to see that first initial forward pass, well, then the whole thing is kind of slowed down. It's gone because you're gone lateral and it's, you know, it's it's this sort of sturgid stuff where it goes over and back for four minutes. Whereas the first man gets it, that's the time when you can play. You can play really fast when you get the ball immediately. Like, look, I've playing there at the minute at club level, like, and you, you drop back from the half forward line, say you're defending. Once you get that ball, you ha- like, you're looking to immediately turn and see can you hit runners? Because if you're with a kick, because if you're not, if you're kind of at this, okay, if nothing's on, you you know, you maybe retain possession, but you're missing out on that really dangerous option, which is to move the ball really fast. And the skill execution from Grugan, really good. But then the ball from Nugent, as you said, was just an absolute peach. And in fairness, the finish was so, so cool as well. Like it really was. And like, I would have Davy Byrne in my mind. There's not a lot really he can do in that situation. It's a one-on-one inside, off-camera. Rian O'Neill, I'm sure, is dragging him left and right, and then the pass beats him because it's just it's drilled to perfection. Um, it takes him completely out of the game, 
and uh, yeah, what a cool finish! What a cool, cool yeah. finish because we've they, seen it so many times. Guys get in there and you know they, they blaze the opportunity. It was it was top class. Like ah, it was beautiful. It was just nonchalant. It made it look so easy, and that's not that easy going off the inside of your boot there. But like I mean, for a long, long time, the Dublin full back line marked from the front like that, and I was always saying, Jesus, test them out, get it in diagonal, get it in over their heads, make them, you know, make them pay for marking you from the front because I've often been marked from the front, and if lads don't make them pay. You're in for a terrible evening. Like I saw even with the Kilku Bars game and their cornerback to Brannigan, number two, just turned and faced Sherlock the whole way through the game. And Sherlock never got a ball over the top. Brannigan did what he liked with him. He was just facing him and he didn't know what to do. And like, I mean, Sherlock wouldn't thank his fre- his teammates for going, just put manners on him once, lads, or else he'll, he'll, like, I used to dread because I like to break out into that space in front of me. I was that link man, and this is why I'm obsessed about the link man. I was the one to break. So if a lad turned and faced me, I fucking hated the bloody thing because I was never looking for the over the top ball because I wouldn't, I'd probably miss the bloody thing. So, like, I mean, I was like, oh, Jesus, I, I don't know what's coming. Maybe I've got so many issues about this thing between <laughs> link man and why won't you just give the odd one over the top to put manners on the back? And the yeah. manners they did put on him. He's he traumatized, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, yeah, because I had no pace, so I hate it when anybody marked me from the front. And I remember one time thinking I'll I'll be this guy I'll look for the ball over the top and that'll that'll put manners on him and the goalkeeper was right up me then and I was like piss off like you know like a good goalkeeper will close that space on you as well but like you're marking from the front in one sense but then you're also trying to mark that that angle of the wing that the player's coming down and I always remember Sean Murray Lockhart saying to me after an Armagh game before like can't do anything about that diagonal ball. Like when it, like yeah. what can you do as a as a cornerback? You're you're doing everything right by covering two angles. Like that's that's tough going to do that anyway and stick tight and know where your man is. But if it's delivered well and it's delivered into space over your head into a completely different angle that you just can't cover because you're only one person, then then that's that's football. <laughs> like you know, and that's that like that's the beauty of that pass. And like yeah, for Reno O'Neill to hold that position and. Like Keen says, and the finish that for for him to get the hop on the solo win as well in probably four steps was brilliant because it just it teed him up perfectly for it. It was uh it was a sort of composure that I can only dream of of him. Ah, he was brilliant. He said after the game, we flattered to deceive, we play nice football, that's no use in the long run. We need to start getting over the line. And they were very comfortable in the second half. Just very impressive from Armagh. Really looking forward to seeing them develop as a team. The one player I thought that stood out, Rina Neal was the obvious one. He wasn't in it as much in the second half. Charlie Oak Burns, uh, Keenan. I'm going to um, brag about what I was saying last Thursday. I said they need pace in their half-back line. They didn't have enough. And I was thinking maybe young Ross McQuillan could play as a wing-back and, you know, give them that Jack McCaffrey-type pace. Second, Charlie Oak Burns has plenty of pace. Like I couldn't believe how well he played there, Keen, because I never would have thought to play him there. Yeah, it was it was a bit of a surprise. Well, look from from our perspective anyway, we wouldn't know Armagh football that well, I suppose. But yeah, like the the legs he was showing, just the energy, and he was a brilliant um, outlet for them to just drag them up the field. Like particularly when they were in kind of control of the game and they were maybe that little bit slower and moving the ball. Uh, with the foot it was look it was great to just have somebody that can just break lines with that hard line running up the field I mean every team wants guys like that coming from that middle middle eight um, and he had a really really good game but look the, the Armagh strength and depth like they got I think four or five points off the bench in the second half as well so I mean like they had an experienced players coming in off the bench Um you know, it's a that's a strong Armagh squad at the minute, and I think McGinney was touching on it after the game that they were still missing a couple of guys and they picked up a few knocks. So, 
again, if there's a few guys missing, it gives more exposure to the rest of their squad for these games. And like, it's a brilliant start for them. And they're, they're, look, we've been talking about are they? They might be your new Galway, will they? Are they after after display the other night, crossfield balls and the link man and everything? This is this yeah. is you know poetry for you. I'm not making those predictions anymore. Well, look, Galway got to an all semi final. I keep reminding people that it wasn't a crazy crazy uh, prediction, but I, I was all over our bar, and then they were destroyed in Breffney Park by Donegal, and I banished them then, and they've made serious improvements since I jumped off the Armagh band. Unfortunately for Armagh, I'm back on the bandwagon now. So, like, I mean, that, that poor Ross McQuillan, he came on and was gone him within three minutes. He seems to be terribly injury prone. But you're right, now Grimley, Stephen Campbell, Mark Shields, uh, Stephen Sheridan all came on. Like, I mean, and they're missing Oshin O'Neill, who's their main midfielder, yeah, their big dominating midfielder. And, you know, Turbot, who's, who's you know, flying it at Sigerson level and at club level so yeah they're in a really good place maybe Mernon I think you could write him off at this stage he seems to be very injury prone as well um the Mayo Donegal game actually lads this was just hard to watch because it was fecking you couldn't see it with the fecking camera and the rain on the camera and it was very surprisingly from a Mayo point of view uh Conan a very low-key kind of performance and like I mean in the second half, not not so much because they had to raise it. But like, I don't know, their first league game, I know they weren't at home. It was in Markovic Park. Maybe that fed into it. But one thing James Horan said after the game, I couldn't believe really. It was like, he was trying to explain the first half performance, which is dreadful for Mayo. Really, really dreadful. Let, let Donegal own the ball against the wind. And Horan says something to the effect of, we didn't know whether to press up or drop off. Like, I'm listening to that thinking, if I was interviewing, what did you tell them to do, James? <laughs> like, do you know, like, how can a manager say that and not be asked that question? What was the instruction? Donegal were playing into a very strong wind. Ye could have made them stuck in their own half, uh, pressurising them. Donegal wouldn't have been able, like, like what they did in the second half. I think the wind changed directions, which was crazy. But... How can James Horne says we didn't really know whether to press up or stop? What's the instruction to the Mayo team? Press up and, and drop off. Like, it seems confused to me, Conan, that, and I would say fair enough if there wasn't a, a very strong wind there. Is, would the message to your team not be playing with a strong wind? Pin them in that half and don't let them out. Yeah. Yeah, because it's going to it's going to be such a ball like for them trying to get up the pitch yeah. there as well, like with the wind and in those conditions as well. Like we're talking January, but we're talking January on the west coast as well, like in an awful day. Like so, that was that was the time to pin them in, and yeah, like they're like they're playing at home. They have a massive crowd there who are just willing to get behind them, and it was it was such a weird feeling for the crowd. I'd say because Donegal came out and they hit five points in the first 11, 12 minutes, and. Mayo couldn't get on the ball. Like, I actually don't... Anytime they got on the ball, I think twice they just ran out of play. Like, down the wing, they just ran out of play. Yeah. Or they kicked it away. Like, a couple of awful passes that were never on. And they, they had nothing to get behind. Donegal owned the kickouts as well, completely strangled them inside. And then they missed they missed a few big goal chances too. And could have they could have been home and hosed in the first 20 minutes, really. But, like, it's, it's such a lesson and maybe just... <laughs> I don't know. It's a lesson just not going out of a game really because they I don't know I don't even know they hung into it more than Donegal didn't put them out of their misery but Mayo weren't really up to speed I don't think until the last 10 minutes really and they were still five points down at that stage and it was also probably like you know people can learn a lot from Donegal then trying to just see out a game with 15 minutes to go by by keeping it along their end line but I'm sure we'll get back to that but 
a strange, strange start for Mayo, but it ended really well. So there was a bit of bulge coming away from it. But I don't think they played that well, did they? No, they didn't play well. In the first half, they didn't play that well. Second half, they did lift it. Like Aidan O'Shea made a big difference to them coming on in midfield. Like Durkin drove them on. Um, Tommy Conroy drove them on. Jason Doherty scored three points. He drove them on. Like I said, Aidan, like, you know, let's be honest. I saw some people saying Aidan O'Shea is going to be an impact sub. He will in his arse be an impact <laughs> sub. He won't He won't be at number 14 because Jason Doherty will be there. And anyways, Aidan O'Shea doesn't make Mayo a better team at number 14 under James Horan. Because they don't use them well enough. They're a running team and that's the way they are. They're a lovely team to watch. I've no problem with them, you know, maybe 80% of the time running from their halfback line. And that's always the way James Horan had them playing. So Aidan O'Shea is a complete waste in there. But what he does is he gives them a presence in midfield. He can be a 65 to 65 man, you know, stay around there, you know, keep us in it. In, in at the physicality keen and he did make a big difference but the other lads then that we kind of mentioned they did they did all kind of up it in the second half and it was more the mayo that we know you know that's mayo and and you know of course the mad mayo a bit like dublin terrible for most of the game they were down to 14 men too <laughs> while they were holding Tony <laughs> Gold down like you, you couldn't make it up with this team sometimes yeah, they're, they're, look, they're the gift that keeps on giving, really, from from a neutral perspective. And look, even from their own fans, like, I mean, all the Mayo fans, they'll just remember the brilliant comeback and, you know, H- um, Henley kicking this amazing free to level the game. Um, and they'll all go home with a smile on their face and they'll all be ready to make the trek then for the next match, no matter where it's on, because they get such a great buzz out of it. But I think just to go back to... Um, Kind of the first thing where Horan was talking about the press, and I didn't, I didn't see his kind of his uh, post-match interview. But look, Mayo were just kind of flat, so I can only assume that maybe they had, you know, most teams would have kind of lines. They maybe start their press in a certain point of the field, and then if that gets broken, they retreat back a little bit further and you know set up their line again and press in that zone. It, it possibly was just the case that because Mayo were just so off the pace, and Donegal were maybe buzzing around with this, you know, their short fucking hand passing game that they played to death. Mayo just maybe couldn't get couldn't get gloves on them, and that forced uh, kind of Mayo's defensive line to just go back. They couldn't they couldn't actually get out quick enough. You know, maybe the legs were just not there; they're just that bit flat. Um, and then in the second half, the subs maybe just made that bit of a difference to them because if you think about it, if you're a sub after watching that on the Mayo perspective, like think of say an Aidan O'Shea or something, like you're just be you'd be chewing the table to get out to try and you know add something to it. And I think the Mayo subs massively energized the group. And, and kind of um, brought a lot to the table, brought that intensity. And I suppose that's the hallmark of Mayo, isn't it? Playing with that real fire and aggression and intensity. Yeah. And they just kind of wore Donegal down. And like amazing, really, to think like Donegal had so many opportunities. Like it should have been probably 2 7 to maybe four points at half time because Mayo had maybe one bad wide and Donegal missed two kind of good 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 enough goal scoring opportunities i thought i thought actually the fisted effort from i think it was langan i actually thought maybe it was jason langan or mcgee you think it was yeah. jason I th- McGee, that yeah. was actually almost an easier chance than yeah. um, than the one on the ground from um from mcfadden um but like again when you think about it, like the, the latter stage of the game like 15 minutes to go um it's kind of they're a man down and they 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 win that last kind of 15 minutes five points to no score and again it's just Donegal letting them off the hook like they have a penalty like put the fucking ball in the net and the game is over again you know yeah. it's kind of why do you think of, Murphy why do you think Murphy didn't take that he obviously missed against Tyrone in the championship uh last year he left it to McBrearty I would have thought Michael Murphy would have been delighted to take that just to banish the memory of that last one do you know what I mean that's what some players like to do when they miss one you know, just yeah, score yeah, another per, one, per, then forget per, all about it. 
Exactly, yeah, they're really looking forward to the next kick. I, I, look, I don't know, it could be management instruction, could be just that McBrearty is the designated taker. I, look, who knows, but... Yeah, he it, wasn't, it, though. Murphy always was, wasn't he? Yeah, it, that's what I always thought anyway. But look, things have changed. Maybe Murphy... Look, who knows what, what level of training has been done in, in recent times from different guys with Knox and, and what have you. But either way, it's kind of three gilt-edge goal-scoring opportunities that Donegal miss in the game. Yeah. Like... All they have to do is take obviously one of them, and 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 they have it sorted. And um, it's just that sort of lack of ruthlessness that um, that cost them in the end. But like Mayo deserve massive credit because they're the ones that were dead and buried. They were gone. Like even after red card, okay, you missed a penalty. I'm kind of saying, look, you, you know, you need to put that away. But look, you know, things happen. You take shots. Sometimes they're saved, and it was brilliant from Henley. And he made, in fairness to him, he he saved the two in the first half, so he deserves credit for them. Like, I mean, he he put himself in the way, and the finish wasn't good enough. He keeps Mayo in the game, and then for him to kind of get this score at the end as well, which was a like a brilliant kick as well. And we thankfully the camera was clear for that because that was probably the best uh, the best angle we could have gotten from a viewer's perspective of of that score. And it was it was a it was a glorious finish. In fairness, when you take all the facts into account um and for him on a personal level like jesus the amount of stick he's gotten at different various stages throughout his career like he keeps coming back and he's just another man who epitomizes this sort of mayo mentality where they just you know there's there's just no stopping them in, in many respects like they just keep coming back for more and they've, they've ph- phenomenal resilience throughout their squad like there's no doubt about that yeah, no, there's no doubt about that. And like, I mean, the, yeah, the trajectory on the free was lovely, the way it sends it off right and then it just comes back down, you know, comes back straight over the bar. Like, I mean, that was excellent. But James Horan did mention, Colin, in his interview after the match that the wind changed direction, which is just incredible when you think about it. And I actually had it in my notes. Um, I have a question mark. Did the wind die down? Because Ryan Donahue took a, 40, a free out in the 45 metre line. Now, he missed it, but it went a mile you know, long enough. It hit the net, you know, and I was like, jeez, like, I mean, Michael Murphy was nearly turning down freeze in the first half, you know, at that rate. Mm. So I was thinking it died down, but Horan reckons it changed direction. <laughs> Are you starting to think, Jesus, maybe we've done who's a bigger kick on him than Murphy <laughs> as well? Like and but because Patrick Durkin was coming down there and some of the some of the purchase he was getting on his strikes as well. They they were landing forty meters behind the goals. Like it's crazy. I, I I don't know if I've played in a game before where the wind has changed direction. I can only imagine what sort of heartbreak it is. I think we spoke about this before. Like you always take it when you can because it might die and anything could happen. But um, like that, like there, there you go again. It's just hammered home the point that uh, take your advantage while it's there. That's the thing. What, what, so obviously McFadden Ferry was the wrong man in that position and this is the problem with attacking cornerbacks they end up at the end of moves and we saw it in the Tyrone uh, Monaghan game as well where it was cornerback shooting I think it was Rafferty and kicking it wide you know because they're, they're, they're always up there and a, a forward might have just dummy bounced that and Henley sold all ends up and they're tapping it into an empty net you know like a Rian O'Neill it's just a composure they don't have he shot without even looking and listen, I'm not criticising him. He's a he's a defender. I probably would have done the same myself. So, like, I mean, you know, the game should have been you, over. You at probably half-time. would have fisted it over the bar, Wooly, would you? <laughs> <laughs> no, because I wouldn't have been able to live it down with you. So, like, I mean, there's no way. There's no way I was. Yeah, but like, I mean, what about Donegal then, uh, Keen? Because like they did throw away that. And here's Martin McHugh. Because I went looking for this today. Because I was reading it last week and. Um, it was just something that kind of registered with me. He says, we need to get that tag off our back. I think what we had under Jim and Rory Gallagher was a rootlessness that has probably gone out of the team now. We're back to the nice Donegal and we need to get that rootlessness back. 
you know, and then you watch that game and you're thinking, you know, would a Jim McGuinness team throw away a five point lead, you know, like that, you know, fluting around with it when Mayo are hunting them down rather than fecking, you know, kicking the bloody thing long from the kick out, you know, let's get a bit of territory, maybe, you know, we know how long Patton can kick it just felt like, you know, it felt like they had nowhere to go when Mayo were hunting them down. Yeah, it's an interesting one because Donegal, I suppose, a number of years ago, we were thinking maybe they were the the team that could really challenge and they put in some kind of really good performances and and played some lovely football as well because it was the kind of the emergence of Langan and and these kind of guys. And Mm. there's no doubt that there's massive talent there. But yeah, like I suppose, as, as with any team, I mean, if you're not getting over the line, and you look at to say that the players at their disposal and you would say, OK, there's enough quality here. Like Donegal have enough kind of players with the sort of, you know, uh, that are really, really top level players that would be getting in most teams. Like Langan is probably walking to any team in the country. Now, I know he's only one player, but they have a few guys that are kind of at that really, really elevated level, I would say. And I, I'd have no doubt. I mean, again, I wouldn't. I wouldn't profess to know kind of everything that goes on at Donegal County Board level, but I mean, you know, the management team have to be under serious pressure. I mean, like they, they've been at the helm now for a number of years and, you know, there's no real clear sign like these these kind of trends keep occurring. So like you do have to, I suppose, look at it and say, are they getting the best out of the players there that are at their disposal? And again, while we're on, because we're, we're, we're just in the mood tonight for making kind of knee-jerk reactions, so uh, <laughs> I suppose we might as well go all in on Donegal here and say that, you know, they probably need a, you know, they need a change of management, they need to get, you know, Michael Murphy's finished, need to get rid of him off the squad and find new new young leaders, you know, but look, that, that's always the challenge with these things, like, all these new guys are coming into the team and they're there a couple of years and, like, they do have to kind of you know, sort of deliver, and yeah. I know this. It's the start of the league, like obviously, but no, in general, yeah, you're you're yeah. right in general. It's looked and 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 Rian O'Neill is saying the same thing about Armad. These teams are probably aware of it, you know. Oh, there's no doubt about it. Like they are, they, they have to be aware of it. Like they're not stupid. They're playing a few years. They're kind of, you know, they're they're there thereabouts. They know they have a, enough quality to be really competitive against any team, and then they're just not hitting that performance level, or they're, there's different things letting them down different days. Um, but look, they, they they have to pull it together. I mean, I suppose they, the beauty of it is with the kind of with the games every week here. Like we'll be here in, in a week or two weeks time or whenever, and it'll you know something totally different will have occurred so like there's 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 great opportunity with the league with how quick the games come about that none of these teams or players have you know any opportunity to really dwell on it you know one team gets kind of energy from a result this week and we three draws in division one so it's kind of like the the team that comes back and wins the draw we'll say has a bit of momentum into next week but nobody's any further on so it's kind of every every game and every weekend is a kind of a new challenge for these teams and then a team has a bad performance and like they're they're mad to get out for action for the next week. Like they'd be, you know, desperately disappointed. But if you have a, a three or a four week gap now, be depressing. You'd be being killed training, and there'd be, you know, video analysis to death and all of this stuff, and everyone would be just, you know, fed up looking at each other. Whereas when you have a game the next week, it's like the results. The results from today are all just parked. They have to be forgotten about by Tuesday. They're done with, and it's just focus on the next game. And from a player's point of view, that's kind of that's a nice thing because, you know. 
despite the fact that we're overanalyzing these things to death, it, it they're very unimportant in the overall scheme of things. And the guys get to park them and they get to just work on what they want for the next day. And, you know, it does make it very intriguing when you see all these things. It's kind of like over the next few weeks, are we going to, you know, spot these trends that are just, you know, irrefutable and, you know, it goes against the team entirely then in your championship kind of predictions or their certainly their confidence of a team going into the championship then? Yeah, don't ever say that um, a link man between your full forward line and your your turnover is unimportant. Because if that's the case, we're just going to have a big falling out. Well, I, I don't think you meant. I don't think you meant that. But let's move on no, before no, I start. Ob- obviously, Wally, everything we say tonight is uh, is to be. You know, we can crop out all the crap for for you. What know, did later you say about a link man? Did you you not think a link man is as important as I do? What do you mean? It's outrageous. Okay, well, listen. We'll, if, if we can just put a motion, if we can just put a motion to play no more games. In, why can't they all just be in the dome at this time of the year it'd make them all a little bit more enjoyable as well well yeah well that's true that's true the cameras wouldn't be full of, full of rain right we'll leave it there lads they were the two most important games I thought obviously we're going to be covering all the teams um, throughout the league we'll come back with some weekend awards Smaller Fish GEA is powered by Benetti Menswear who supply a range of tailoring groomswear casual menswear footwear and accessories All right, so we have a new slot here on Smaller Fish. We'll be doing it for the hurling and the football shows. We're going to give out some weekend awards. The first award of the weekend is Pundit of the Weekend. And I have to say, Eamon Fitzmaurice on co-commentary in the Armagh Dublin match gets Pundit of the Weekend because, like, I mean, the only criticism of Eamon Fitzmaurice is that he's a little bit droll. Not probably as droll as Ushie McConville, but he's droll-ish. But... Like, I mean, Conan, he, he, you know, he was just head and shoulders above anybody else that RT have been using recently, as far as I'm concerned, with the things he was pointing out, which is just a nice natural style. Um, you know, just the little things like Kilkenny organising this thing, the bunch and break. Listen, I could point out loads of examples. He's pointing out stuff that I can't see sitting at home on my couch. You can't ask for any more than yeah. that. And this is what, this is, as far as I'm concerned, this is what RT have been lacking in that role. Eamon has been working as a sideline reporter. I don't think he's lively enough maybe for that. Co-com's perfect for him. He, he needs a role because he's a, he's a very good football brain. And I think he's landed into his position. Yeah, and he's almost droll in an endearing way as well. I think so. <laughs> yeah, and it, like, it, makes his, it makes his wit a bit more dry in a, in a good way too. But like, I thought it was excellent. Like, yeah, you're right. He was pointing out stuff that you didn't see. You could tell he was just watching the game. Like, he, yeah. he was just sucked into it. Like, there was one where uh, Blaine Hughes is about to hit a, a, a kickout and he he's just totally absorbed and you can hear him say he's going long and you know he's just like predicting what's happening and how the, how the teams are running and then before you know it, Blaine Hughes tried to go long over the top of some press and it's like, well, this guy knows what he's talking about. Obviously, he had a nice little dig at the umpire as well who was taking his time to signal if it was a wide or a point and uh, Eamon Fitzmaurice didn't like that and for that, he definitely went up in my book as well but... He was brilliant. Like people just want somebody who's actually, actually invested in the match, like and bringing it to you because they are in a very privileged position. Like not most people who are watching this thing, like, but the vast majority of them aren't there. They don't have that position that you have. So just bring it to them, and he's doing it with that management cap on him. And like to be honest, I hope he doesn't get a manager's job again after that. Just keep him, keep him in the press box. He's great at it. Keep him there for the season anyway. Like, I mean, if when there was a wide kick, he didn't say he'll be very disappointed with that, Keen, which is fanta- absolutely fantastic. 
yeah, yeah. No, Alec, he's, <laughs> he's, uh, he was deadly. Uh, well, I, I really enjoyed him anyway. And in fairness, I think I saw uh, there was a tweet up from where he was talking about the kind of viewing position there in the in the commentary box, which is, in fairness, it is amazing in Croke Park when you're in that kind of that kind of media area. It's it's the best actual view of the entire pitch. You can see so much of what's going on. And he he brought that information out to us. Well, you've covered it all. It was look, I enjoyed it very much, and um, yeah, I hope he gets to do plenty of big games down the line because he'll definitely bring something to um, all the viewers. Definitely in terms of increasing their their knowledge of the game, I suppose is probably the best way to put it. Yeah. So the next award is the one he's completely lost his head award, and that goes to Aidan Brannigan, right? <laughs> so he's Kilku joint captain. Um, you know, this was a bloody... I was up at this game. It was fantastic. Uh, like, it maybe wasn't the best game in the world, but it was very, very competitive. And it was a great contest. Um, Kilku were... I think Kilku were much, much better team than the Bears. Bears are quite limited, actually. And they're living off frees and fouls from Kilku and, and Sherlock um, scoring them. They should have had the game to bed, but they didn't. And that was that's what made for such a great, you know, a great, um, you know viewing experience but they obviously got a free i thought it was soft on viewing now i was surrounded by bars fans up in the stand and you know when you're surrounded by kind of you kind of get carried away um with things they're seeing <laughs> you know, you actually know how referees are influenced by different supporters like i was thinking bars are being rode by the referee and then i go online and kilku are thinking they're getting rolled but anyways so the freeze given away i thought it was on the softish side i thought the ball was there to be kind of challenged and there's a bit of a, a skirmish Aidan Brannigan, Kilku have this free, Conan. They have the free. This is to win it. This is Devlin on his left. It's going over there with the wind. And Aidan Brannigan, who's the joint captain. Now, obviously, all the bars led around me thought he punched in the stomach. Apparently, it didn't. I didn't see the replay of it. Conan like Gilligan said afterwards, it was just a shoulder. But even if it was just a shoulder that knocked the bars man on the ground, he got sent off and the ball was thrown up. Like, it's absolute red mist stuff. And this is from a fella... You would expect one of the Bars lads to do this, Conan, not one of the Kilku yeah. lads who now have a shot to win the game. Laugh at the, laugh at these lads. Laugh at the Bars lads and say, here, sorry, boys. This is their only chance. Like, it's it's the, it's the last kick of the game. All Bars can do is hope, like, remember Lee Keegan through his GPS tracker in desperation? All they can do is yeah. hope that somebody does something stupid like that. And he just he just gave it to them. Like, like somebody ran on his way. Like you say, laugh at him, completely ignore him, just... Just let your teammate kick the last kick of the game because, like, he probably put it over. Devlin would have put it over probably the way he was playing. And I, I honestly, like, like it's a fitting award title as well, like, because I can't for the life of me figure out like what was he thinking. And in fairness to Kilku, none of them seem to react to it. Like, you know, like they nobody seemed to be like asking him what the fuck are you at? Like, we've well, just you've just dragged us into 20 minutes of extra time in an All-Ireland semi-final. Like, that's the the levels that the, this was at. They're just so lucky that that rule is still there that you can reintroduce your player, like, for extra time, which is a bit of a strange rule. And I'd say Bars fans are feeling pretty upset about it. I'd say you were feeling upset about it at the time, Willie, considering you're uh, getting pretty influenced by them. Um, I, yeah, I was thinking of getting, how am I going to get back up home in time for this Kilmacud game? And I thought <laughs> that might have been put back and I ended up missing, you know, pretty much the first half of the Kilmacud game. But that is an old fashioned rule, Keen. And now that the black card is brought in and I saw uh, Niall McNamee pointing this out, that if, if Aidan Brannigan had been black carded there, uh, Kilku would have had to play extra time with 14 men. But because he was red carded, they're, they're allowed back to 15. And you can kind of see why this is fair if a lad's sent off after two minutes but when a lad's getting sent off that late in the game 
it's just it doesn't seem right that you're straight back to 15 what two minutes later yeah yeah it seems so bizarre doesn't it like and even the fact that you know black card is a lesser offense than a red card lesser yet yeah a, yet yet you'd have a greater punishment going into extra time like, like that just makes absolutely no sense so traditionally um, the extra time is seen like a new game isn't that right so that the, yeah. the, you're back to that 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 needs to already be visited you can't have a black and a red in you know with two different outcomes yeah well like again i'm not i'm not really sure what what's fair here i mean like if, if it goes into extra time is it fair that a team gets uh kind of rewarded for holding on a man down and everyone gets back to 15 well it's certainly not fair if a lad gets sent off with a minute to play um, yeah, I don't think that's fair because then there's essentially no punishment um, for for getting the red card. So that doesn't make any sense. Um, yeah, it's a bizarre one. Um, I I don't know why the rule was made that you get that you go back to fifteen for extra time. I'm sure there was good reason for it at the time. Maybe there was a lot more red cards um, at the time when they were generating these rules. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's it's a random anomaly that's uh, worth. Definitely, the rules committee should be trying to look at this type of thing and see can they come up with a kind of a fairer conclusion. Because to me, it makes absolutely no sense that you know a black card offence, which is obviously lesser than red, would carry a greater punishment going into extra time. That makes no sense. Um, but yeah, an interesting an interesting thing at the weekend. Um, and Kilku will be bloody delighted to get over the line because. Yeah, they wouldn't be happy with uh, with Brannigan now if uh, if they ended up losing that tie. That's so, yeah. definitely for sure. So we so we know Eugene Brannigan, their their wing back number seven, uh, wears the skins and uh, he wears odd boots actually. Funnily enough, and Aidan Brannigan, who's his older brother, who's been there a long, long time, he's the fella that got sent off. He came on and he's wearing skins as well. It's very unusual to see fellas wearing skins. You know, black fecking leggings in a championship match. I just can't get my head around it. But look. Listen, the game's moving on, Les, and we have to move with the times and we have to be progressive. But anyway, I was laughing at this because Aidan Bradigan comes on, gets sent off um, wearing the skins. And I'd say Mickey Moran is livid in the dressing room, um, you know, that they've thrown away this free to to get it. I say, looking around the dressing room, I saw Eugene Brannigan. And you, get them fucking things off your legs because Eugene, Eugene, the little brother, comes out into the extra time with no skins on him. <laughs> he took them off. Just breaking point. I have had it with a fucking team. <laughs> I know. Listen, this is just my theory. Mickey Moran did probably. Well, Mickey Moran, I would be ninety nine percent did not say this to Eugene Brannigan, but Eddie Eugene got inspired to take off his skins. And I'm listen. This is just what I'm thinking potentially. I think it'd be an absolute classic. And you, you get them. <laughs> Maybe that was just Eugene just turning his back on his brother. I want nothing to do with that. Like, forget about him as far as the man. Like, you know, that's nothing to do with me. Yeah, yeah, that could have been it. I'm not getting dragged down to his level. People <laughs> maybe think that, you know, that uh, it's me or something like yeah, that. Yeah, the same brush. So. He, had them, he had them off. Right, next award, lads. We could be here all night with these awards. Team performance of the weekend, lads. This has to go to London. Like, this is an incredible, um, an incredible result, really. They were 10 points down, Keane, against Carlo. They hadn't played a match since February 2020. That is two years ago. Right. At one stage in the second half, there were one ten to three points down. Then Carlo had a man sent off. Um, you know, they had to play five minutes of injury time while the game was a draw away to Carlo. You know, and you'd be expecting, you know, Carlo will get one and, you know, it'll be the hard luck story. They, they saw out the five minutes. Like when you when you add all this up away from home, not had a competitive you know match like that in, in two years. It's an incredible result. Yeah, it's, it's ah, look, it's brilliant for them. It's, um, 
it's amazing just to turn around like look leaving aside the fact that i mean jesus christ not have a game a competitive match like that in two years is is hard enough to to be at the right level um but then to be so far behind and you can just imagine the 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 kind of the things that were going through the players heads on the field at that stage like jesus christ like they're you can only imagine we've all been in those positions where you're there and you go god like this is this is bad this is embarrassing you know get me out of here but Fair play to them. They 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 knuckled down and they really dragged it out. And yeah, look, what a result for them! Like it's you know it is it is good. Like it is great that we see kind of some of these results been thrown up. And particularly look the two year gap. I mean, Jesus Christ! Like that's um that's bleak enough uh, when you think about the volume of training that they may have been doing at different stages. Um and fair play to them. It's it's very difficult for them kind of traveling across, um for these league kind of games to just get everything together. I'm sure so. Um, fair play some great result for them and to be they'll be delighted heading on the plane home i think uh colin rourke uh, made a very a brilliant comment that you know boris johnson was under pressure so i think it's the same constituency as him as right right <laughs> in his constituency so that'll give that'll give him a good boost give, so give, yeah, give boris a huge lift when he saw when he saw the news carlo obviously lost paul broderick and shane redmond um since last season who you know very big losses for them and you know carlo are gone now really like they've cavan tip and leach them all in the division and they've just lost to Lost to London. A shout out to Waterford who drew a tip. Dave Elfie Fitzgerald as their manager. And by all accounts, I was reading manager quotes, both Power and Elfie um, thought that uh, Waterford deserved to win that one. And Kildare obviously drawn with Kerry um, and Armagh with Dublin. But we'll give it to London. We'll give team performance to London this weekend. Worst team performance of the weekend. Come on down, Keen Ward, and accept this award on behalf of the Royal uh, <laughs> County. I'm going, to stay, I'm going to have to stay with you for this one. No score until the 46th minute. No score until the 46th minute. They played against the wind in the first half. And I was looking at the results. I said, look, you know, it's very unusual for a team not even to be able to muster one. I looked down through the mid team and it was a bloody decent team they had out. I didn't see them missing too many. Maybe you'll be able to tell me whether they, they did or not. But here's the one that really stood out to me. And it really pissed you off as being a mead man. No score in the first half. No score until the 46th minute. And this is from the match report. Mead needed a good start to the second half, but Galway held possession for almost three minutes after the restart before Walsh kicked his second point from play. Now, when I read that, I was like, ah, Jesus, lads. Are you not going to hunt them down? I'm picturing Mead standing off Galway now, playing with the wind, having not scored for fucking in a full half of, of football. And now they're letting Galway hold on to the ball for three minutes. Yeah, it does. It doesn't. Uh, it doesn't make for good reading. And I suppose it's uh, when you're not there, it's very hard to to uh, to entirely uh, go mental about it. Um, and thankfully, I wasn't there today. Um, but look, Maddie Kerrigan, who's uh, does the co-commentary on LMFM, brilliant, absolute legend, legend of uh, Mead football. And he said everything that you'd want to see from Mead football was missing today. It was a dreadful performance. There's no other way you can dress it up. So, um, Matty has probably haven't seen it with his own eyes, and he has seen probably every Mead game for the last fifty plus years. Um, he's probably he's hitting the nail on the head there, fairly fairly robustly. So, um, all I can say is the the O'Byrne Cup campaign didn't go hectically well for them. Um, they they're not missing a huge amount of players that you would say are kind of first team guys i mean yeah there, there's possibly a couple of personnel changes you could make but there's um 
you know, it's, it's a not strong like, team. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like there's maybe six or seven guys that you're thinking, oh yeah, they're, they're out with injuries and uh, they're going to really stiffen the, stiffen the team up. Um, look, it's, it's one of those that the game just continued to get away from them and looking at some of the, 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 the stats that kind of MeJA had put up, Mead had, Mead had something like 20 wides in the game and Galway had a lesser amount but still had a significant amount that they were obviously by far the dominant team. So I, I'd say it was uh, the, the type of game that Andy McIntyre as a Mead manager would be kind of, I'm sure, absolutely furious with the performance. I'm sure the players themselves will be disgusted with um, the level of performance because they've you know, played Galway a number of times over the last uh, few years and it's it's always been kind of close enough me to have won their fair share of them. So they certainly wouldn't have been expecting to get a trimming like that. So um they'll have to show a pretty big reaction um next week when, when they have their next match because it's amazing how a season can kind of you know, there there's a number of guys there now are are, are on that squad a significant amount of time. The, the kind of core group of that squad is there for a number of years. They're experienced. They they would be seeing themselves, you know, they were up to Division 1, didn't go well for them. Um, they would have been expecting to kind of make a push to get back up there and be very, very competitive. Hasn't, you know, the signs are certainly not great at the minute. So they'll be looking to get a, a big performance from themselves next weekend. And they need some results because um, it's 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 not the type of thing that they'd be able to pick up. They need to show form throughout the league. They're not really that type of team that they can just turn in this magnificent performance. They need to be kind of um, on an upward trajectory for a number of games, you know, to, to build up a bit of kind of trust and cohesion in the group because th- there's just this kind of interchangeable nature of a lot of the players. They're kind of a lot of guys if they're if they're in the team or not in the team, it doesn't seem to make any difference to the overall performance. And you could say that about a number of the players on the squad. So to me, they're probably just in general overall lacking that bit of top level quality. And look, that's fairly evident um, over the performances in the last number of years. And they're probably looking to some of the newer, younger players coming into the squad to kind of um, bring them on to another standard. And it hasn't happened so far. So they'll be, I uh, I wouldn't like to be uh, sort of looking at the, video work with the team during the week anyway that's for sure but as i said earlier in the show the kind of the the beauty of it is that they only have uh, a week's turnaround and they can't dwell on it for too long and yeah <laughs> certainly hoping it'll be a big performance whenever they whenever they do get on the field again the other award next award is all aboard the showboat award rory grugan for his double drag back um no real need to do it Conan. he just decided that i, I want to do it. it like i mean you, you'd be shouting from like go down on the feckin thing and he did a kind of a double drag back, raised the ball, and I think he he uh, kicked it in for uh, and resulted resulted in a point. You don't often see that on a football field. And like I said, like I mean, I think Rory Grugan was just having such a good first half. He just went ah, here. Listen, I I think he just got caught up in the moment and just I can do what I like in this field. It was really nice, yeah. But like, it would have been nicer if the Dublin player wasn't completely uninterested. He was just running by him, following another man as Rory Grugan was producing this bit of skill but he was just having fun out there probably typified it don't know if it merited the the viral views that it got online i saw it flying around on twitter but um like i i just love the the simplicity but you don't often see it easy it's just that diagonal ball he played in right in front of rain o'neill who turned and scored as well but like rory grugan was just yeah stunning all level had his head up he was producing little moments of magic and uh yeah he was just having a good time did jason duffy mean the goal uh Kane? No, not oh, for a fuck. hope in hell. I not thought he did. Why do I keep nah, getting this wrong? Go away. go away. No way. No chance. 
No, he went to tap it. Up. I well, like to be to be to be honest, I was a little bit unsure of it, and I was so unsure that I had to text Aaron Kernan because he'd have more information on Jason Duffy. I needed to know was Jason Duffy known for this kind of stuff? I didn't think it was as obvious. Um, and he said he was going for a pint, so oh, I believe Aaron. So, like, I mean, sorry, sorry, Connor. Um, I was on the fence on this one, and I needed some local local yeah, information. That's he was good going research. For, you, kind of, you, you, kind, you kind of knew Conan the way he smiled that he he didn't mean it. That that was definitely the the big one. But I was wondering why did he bother taking on John Small? Like he took it past him, and I thought, okay, this guy is a bit of a yeah. maverick. Yeah, the, the sidestep was absolutely top class, wasn't it? It was beautiful. Brilliant. Yeah, it was, went yeah, one way then the other. But listen, if he had meant that, he would have been standing in front of Hill 16, giving them all <laughs> that. Like, there's no way. Like, if you score a goal like that and you do it intentionally, well, look, even if you even if you do score a fluky one, I still would have respected him more if he just tried to bluff it and ran over in front of Hill 16, started cupping his ear or something. You know, give them a. If you lob the Dublin keeper into Hill 16, you you have to do something. Like you have yeah, to. Yeah, you have to do the mug. You have to do the mugsy yeah, one where you just look at them like Eric Cantona. You have to do something something memorable. Right, point of the weekend, lads. There's been some incredible points this weekend. Rian Neal had three uh, of as good a points as you see. Michael Langan and we know. these. Do you know these are some of the best point um, kickers in the entire game? Paddy Dirk and David Clifford. Um, you know, like Rian O'Neill, Michael Langan, Paddy Dirk and David Clifford. Like it's as good as you get. Paul Cribben had a few brilliant ones. Rob Henley had a brilliant one. Like, I mean, the, the other one which I thought was an incredible point, Conan, was a kick out from, from Henley. You had Jordan Flynn caught it, caught a mark, boomed it off the outside of his boot right to uh, right to right to O'Donoghue, and O'Donoghue stuck it over the bar. Now you can hand pass laterally all you want. Is that not a simple game, Conor? <laughs> the ball moves faster than the man, lads. Coach Parkinson had spoken. <laughs> Well, I, I do remember uh, years and years having it drilled into us in Port Leash because we would have been, you know, traditionally kicking. I never quite went to the mead levels of lining players out to actually raise the kick pass, to raise the kick pass like Keane's after explaining. Like, I mean, it was drilled into us, but we never raced the football. Uh, we were, Keane, we were so slow learners. We were a bit thick farmers <laughs> in mead. We needed to be, we needed the visual aid there to explain it to us properly, you know. The, the the point of the weekend goes to Rory Began. He kicked a point from play, lads. And like, I mean, you know, five years ago, Conan, we'd probably start the show with a goalkeeper kicking a point from play. But like, I mean, it's not that unusual for these lads now. It's like, it's incredible. I think Began and Morgan are the two best goalkeepers in the country. I think most people would agree that with that now. It was nothing special about the point. It's just the fact that he kicked a point from play and there's nobody really to you know it's not the one going viral on on because Began does this regularly the only thing I would question Began on is he had the free at the very end um, and it was like two metres outside the 45 with the wind how many times have we seen that and it's right in the middle of the goals and he didn't look like he fancied it um, he didn't look he was kind of looking at Conor McManus and then he took it short to Conor Boyle the full back who was completely unmarked um, now, Boyle can score. I've seen him score plenty of times. He wanders up the field. But at the end of the day, I'm trusting Began with that more than I am Colin Boyle. In horrible conditions, it has to be said. Boyle ended up putting it into Morgan's hands in the game over. This was the last kick of the game. You know, I would have fancied Began maybe just put it down, stroke it over, game over. Yeah, and that, that should almost be the policy. You know, like, you know, just... just back begging like he's the kicker he's like for those big moments from that distance he's hitting it if it goes wide we live and die by it or whatever but it's 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 amazing to me how he can put the ball on a sixpence from when he's kicking it out like he can put that thing wherever he wants however way you want them to kick it 
but when you put him in front of the post, he just isn't as prolific. Um, I don't know exactly what it is. Like maybe the wind was a big factor, but I don't want to take away from like here we are. This shows the level he's at. Like he scored a point from inside the twenty-one. He was inside the twenty-one when he yeah, when he scored. And we're here like critiquing other moments that he played. And I, I, what I love about him and Morgan is that you see when other counties are bringing their goalkeepers out, everyone just. I don't know if it's excitement or panic. They they always just throw the ball to them. Like they get like they see the goalkeeper out and they feel like they have to give it to him, even when he's not in a good position, even though he's the goalkeeper as well. These boys time their runs well. They go out when it makes sense. They they actually, you know, drag a man away, like they charge into space, and that was perfect. Like the game had slowed down. Like Monaghan were sort of coming back out, all the space had opened up on the side. Begging was the only man who could make it up, and away he went, and he carried it inside the twenty-one and stroked it over. I, I, I had to laugh. I, I was watching the the game, and that went over the barn. You know, like they had him and Morgan have their kind of you know little thing together, where they're almost trying to outdo each other. So that ball went over Morgan's uh, crossbar, and I was thinking, I said, "She's a wonder what's going through Morgan's head." I say he's livid now about that gone over from play. The very next free, did you see him? He runs down to take it. It was way inside the forty-five. It was on 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 McCurry's left foot. And suddenly Morgan's down this, taps this over the bar and jogs back up. Like, you know what I mean? I'll see your score. Like, I mean, that was a that was a McCurry free. But like, I, I definitely think there's something going on with the two of them that they, they're they're trying to outdo each other because the camera was obviously behind the goal key. And, and like, I mean, it, you know, I think it was because TG Catter had a stinker, um, you know, of a day uh, broadcasting wise. I don't know how to I don't know how they're going to fix this problem. Um, with rain on the cameras, but they used the camera from behind the goal, and both goalkeepers spent the whole kick out on each other's kick outs, covering once the goal. Yeah, look, it's very intriguing. Uh, the 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 two guys are definitely spurring each other on to kind of greater heights, and the fact that they get to play each other so regularly too actually does make it uh, quite kind of interesting to watch. And yeah, the, the actual the wide angle camera thing from behind the goals was great because you could see on the kick outs it was very interesting to see all the different kind of positions that guys were picking were picking up. But God, the quality on the quality on the kick outs from the lads is just ridiculous. Like because. You have to be just so tight on your man, or they're they're just they're clipping it into these right areas. And in fairness, both teams make the right runs for them and all, and all that type of stuff as well. But it's just you know I know I can't mention it, but like to be for the goalkeeper to be kicking a point from inside the twenty one is is honestly it's almost hilarious. Like a few years ago it would have been hilarious anyway. Um, and I'd say maybe the reason Began didn't take the long range free is probably probably because he was absolutely bollocks. He's probably after running eight k during the game because anytime the ball went dead up the other end of the field, he was out to the halfway line to try and cover kickouts and then even when Tor- if Tyrone get it he was kind of he was kind of playing like a sweeper in front of his full back line as well to cut out the pass I mean it's just look it's uh it's taken it to a new kind of um standard and it definitely gives um these teams a weapon that is kind of unique to what they have at the minute with these kind of highly skilled goalkeepers and um yeah, I, I actually do think it's it's very entertaining and it's brave as well, which I think is to be encouraged. It's very, very brave and aggressive um, kind of football, which um, I think is entertaining and definitely something I would encourage from, from yeah. coaching, definitely. Niall Morgan actually intercepted a ball from Darren Hughes into the full forward line. He came out in front of his full back and full forward and intercepted that ball like a sweeper, but did it from behind. <laughs> like, I mean, and then solo down the ball. Like, I mean, he actually spoke to me and he, he, he likes reading the play he plays midfield with Eden Dork and drops back he loves that sweeper role and like I mean this ball like this was an incredible because when Darren Hughes looked up this ball is on and when he kicked the ball 
which was the one he he intercepted the ball in the All Ireland final too. Remember, drove it down, and it was a chance for Darren McCurry. And he says he's well he's well able to read a fella and where he's going to put it. So he's coming from behind the full back and the full forward intercepting these passes. It's absolute magic stuff, Conan. Yeah, and it's it's almost like he's there sneaking under the radar, like you know, showing them that the pass is on, knowing that, <laughs> yeah. like knowing that they're going to hit it, and then like he's so nippy across the ground that he can get out and win it. And like you're just reminding me of that all in the final. Like we're talking about the ball moving faster than. The man like he like one pass and he put Darren McCurry through it should have been a goal like that's like the skill of these boys is just off the charts like it, it is incredible it's I do find it interesting that you do not like attacking cornerbacks but you're all for attacking goalkeepers it seems <laughs> yeah well I'm, I'm all for these two goalkeepers definitely there's no doubt like I mean at first I was a little bit kind of hesitant I think and there's a little bit element of of showboating in it but it's great to watch um there's no doubt about that yeah two wars left um here this the second last one is why did I leave my home club award and that goes to Conan Doherty so <laughs> congratulations to you Steelstown a very very surprising result from my point of view only I don't know anything really about the intermediate level uh, teams but like the three county boys that Nigel had you know you'd imagine that that would make them a very very strong team don't feel bad Conan because I'm a previous winner of this award why did I leave my home club um, in 2009 so we're, there's 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 two people on this you you were watching this online yeah, if you can uh, start a support group, that would help. Like because it is, <laughs> like, there's a lot of emotions. Like you're obviously delighted. Like you're, like, you're absolutely buzzing. Uh, you're trying to take any bit of credit that you can, but you're realizing they're better off without me. Like everything is going way better than it ever was when I was there. But no, nah, it's it's sensational. And like t- to be honest, like I think I think club GA is the one thing that bookies don't understand really because like they, they were forty five to win the one to win Ulster. 45 to 1 in a 19 tournament. Yeah. yeah. But sure, they wouldn't. They wouldn't understand it. Like, I work in GEA and I wouldn't be on top of all the teams, I suppose. That's it. Like, yeah, that's it. And, and they blitzed through it. Like, they had a tough game in the final. But, um, and like, they, they were the better team. Like, they, they, like, they, they looked, I, I fancied them beating the Gale every time, like, just based on one game I've seen the Gale play. But they carried the ball a lot. Like, you know, and, uh, but this, this team, this Statestown team, like, are just different animals. Like, to, uh, to whatever it was anyway like they're just pure aggressive like they're hungry and like yeah they didn't stop like we, it was our first ever championship that we won and these boys just didn't stop there and now they're going to Crook Park next week it's just stupid and he would have been really proud talking of like you know boys fist passing the ball over the bar it's the last minute it's extra time and we've got a penalty we're two points up what do you do a lot of managers might say stroke it over but uh Cahar McMoneagle stroked it in the top corner and we went five points up and that was game over then Oh, lovely. I was thinking there actually last week, you know, when the obviously the water breaks are gone and now you can have a mere Ishka, but he's not allowed to be part of your backroom team. Sure, that's perfect for you. <laughs> you're not allowed you're not allowed to be on the playing and on the panel, not part of the coaching staff, not part of anyone. Why don't you apply for can you apply in writing during the week to be become this mayor Ishka or this what, what the water carrier, the water boy? This is shit now because I was actually planning on going up during the week, you know, just to get the buzz and the build up the all in the final. But now people are going to think I'm up there sort of ratting around looking for a wee role in Crow Park on the day. So, uh, yeah, no, I don't, I don't think I'll do that. I don't think uh, my dignity will let me do that, but um, I'll, I'll just enjoy it from the stands. Yeah, you used to play. You used to play with them, didn't you? Yeah, you used to coach them. Where were you on our final? Waterboy. <laughs> yeah, no, you couldn't do Waterboy. You couldn't do Mayorishka. Last award of the weekend. We've gone way over time today, lads. It's a, it's a long show, but there's a lot to get through. And to be fair, didn't even give Chemical Croaks any bit of a, a shout out. You know, ran out uh, comfortable winners in the end. 
even though it was a fairly competitive um, game. This has to be awful chant of the weekend award goes to the Kilku crowd, lads. I couldn't believe it. This was causing all... I told you I was in around the St. Finn bars, or the, or the bars. You're not allowed to call them St. Finn bars. It's the bars. In around their crowd, and you're chatting away, and you're having a bit of crack with them. And uh, all you could hear from the Kilku crowd was, UTM, 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 UTM. And everybody said, what the feck does that mean? Like, what's UTM mean? What is this? What? I've never heard anything like it at a GA match. UTM, UTM. And it, <laughs> it means it's up the magpies. So, like, in, like would they not just go magpies? <laughs> magpies. Like, like it's, this is tried and trusted. Who in Kilcoconan thought up of this? And the whole village agreed that we'll chant UTM to get our team going. I, I just can't get my... I'm still a day later and I can't get my head around this. Because I, I, I had that same thought process. Like, why don't you just do magpies if you're committing to UTM? But then, why don't you just do Kilku? You already have yeah. two syllables. It's right there for you. Like, this is only a problem if you've got one syllable in your team. Like, they don't have that problem. It's UTM. Like, I've never... I've never come across anything like that in my life. Like, and the, the, the mental gymnastics everybody has to do to know who you're supporting with the players, even though they probably would now, though you're getting a bit of a profile for it. Yeah, it's absolutely it's dreadful. Like, only, though, like for us, you know, we, we have like Mead and Leash, 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 Leash. Oh, Jesus Christ. Like, we would do anything for, you know, to be from somewhere with two syllables. <laughs> yeah, nice I, I do. I, do come up with I, that. That's I would do anything. And they have Kilku two syllables and Magpies <laughs> with two syllables, two different ones. And we've got Leash, 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 which is an absolute. And then awfully have Oufalia. They have three syllables and it's an awful bloody one. And you've only got the one syllable. So you go, Mead. You try to make two syllables out of one that doesn't have it. <laughs> what is Kilku thinking? They have a lovely word, magpies and Kilku, and they've made UTM, UTM. Anyways, when we figured this out, I just couldn't believe it. I had to go ask somebody from Kilku, what does that mean? And I was just like amazed, thinking, walking home, up the magpies, they've actually... <laughs> right, okay, we'll leave it there, boys. We have to, we have to leave it there. Um... Yeah, so congratulations to all the award winners. And uh, we'll leave it there. Like I said, on Tuesday, we'll be back with Woolly Meats, but we'll be on Patreon then. So fingers crossed um, uh, enough of you will will come over and uh, pay the five euros for minimum 16 shows a month. So we hope to talk to you all on Tuesday, or the majority of you. So we'll talk to you all then. Ah. Before I go, this is the last show with Benetti Menswear. It's an Irish brand who are one of Ireland's leading menswear suppliers. Good luck. You were fucked over the line twice. Fucked over the line like you'd catch a fucking loaf of bread. Fucked you over the line with his shorts up. But for my part, uh, what concerned me was... Um, the way his, his, I suppose his good name was attacked. The game is called football for a very simple reason that you're predominantly supposed to use the foot. Give me the name of...